Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I'd like you to know that everybody is welcome here. We are living in extraordinary times. The COVID-19 virus has disrupted the lives of people all around the world. Now more than ever, this is a time for us all to come together, to strengthen faith, and to provide hope. And that's my only intention. We can find strength together. We can find strength in God. We can travel together with Jesus Christ at our side, however difficult the path, to a new beginning. Today, I'm going to be talking about faith and hope. We'll think together about what shape our hope might take and how faith can support us in our hope. And it's my hope that you may find comfort in Scripture and in our exploring it together. First, let's begin with a word of prayer. Gracious God, Heavenly Comforter, hear us as we reach out to you for help. Give us a clear hope for the future, strengthen our faith, and create in us loving and compassionate hearts. Heal the sick, comfort the grieving, and encourage us with the words of eternal life. Amen. Today, I'd like to lift up a simple passage from the book of Hebrews, where it is written. This is from Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My mother-in-law, Aggie Wilson, was a master of folksy sayings. One of her favorites that she repeated at every opportunity was, if wishes were fishes, we'd all have a bite. Now, if that makes you scratch your head and wonder, uh, let me give you a few examples. For example, me. I sure wish I could afford one of those new mid-engine Corvettes. Aggie. If wishes were fishes, we'd all have a bite. Me. I wish winter were over. Aggie. If wishes were fishes, we'd all have a bite. And me. I sure wish that you'd make me one of your seven-layer German chocolate cakes for dessert tonight. Aggie. If wishes were fishes, we'd all have a bite. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, I wish he'd get to the point. Me. If wishes were fishes, we'd all have a bite. Aggie meant that we wish for a lot of things that just aren't going to happen. The majority of wishes that we make don't come true. Many or most of our wishes turn out to be idle wishes. Think of all the jokes that you've heard about someone being granted three wishes by a genie. They never seem to work out very well. We all know that wishing for something doesn't necessarily make it come true. Now, I've wasted my fair share of coins throwing them into fountains, wished upon a galaxy of stars, and made wishes while I blew out the candles on more birthday cakes than I care to remember. And I have to report that my success rate is poor. I think that Jiminy Cricket's When You Wish Upon a Star song from Pinocchio was a scam perpetrated on generations of America's kids. If wishes were fishes, we'd all have a bite. And, well... 
fish don't seem to be very hungry. But hope, that's a different matter. Although the words hope and wish are often used interchangeably, our hopes are more significant and reliable than wishes. Our hopes are backed by something that gives us a reasonable expectation that the object of our desire is achievable. For example, I might say that I have the strength to make a difficult decision that lies ahead of me today. Now, that hope is backed up by my self-confidence that I have because I've made difficult decisions before. Or, I hope that my friends will stick up for me when I'm unfairly criticized. That hope is based on my friend's prior loyalty. Hope is way more powerful and comforting than making wishes. Not to beat the image to death, but if hopes were fishes, we'd all be fed. Our hopes can be supported by a variety of things. As in my previous examples, our hopes can be based on our past experiences. Our hopes can also be based on our trust in people with certain skills or knowledge. We hope that the medical community will come up with protection against COVID-19 and the cures for many other diseases, eventually even cancer. We also base our hopes on the reputation and integrity of people with authority. We hope that our laws are administered and enforced justly. We hope that America will continue to be a beacon of freedom in the world. These aren't idle wishes. These are valid hopes. There's a special kind of hope that's more powerful than any other, and that's the hope which is backed up by faith. In Hebrews 11, we read, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Christian hope is based upon faith. It's not based upon science or upon physical evidence or even human reason. Things that we hope for are by nature unseen or they aren't even in existence yet. So we need something powerful to support our hopes. And that power is faith. Faith and hope are inextricably linked together. To understand hope, we also have to understand faith. There's no better place uh, to look at the nature of Christian faith than through the story of Jesus' disciple Thomas, you know, the one affectionately known as Doubting Thomas. Old Doubting Thomas, when he was told by the other disciples that they'd witnessed Jesus after he was resurrected, famously said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. For Thomas, seeing, and in this case, touching, are believing. Thomas is one of my favorite biblical characters. He seems real to me. I can see myself having the same reaction to being told that someone I know was killed and is now up and walking around again. I admit it. I'm filled with doubts. But doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Despair or hopelessness is the opposite of faith. Doubt is a necessary precondition of faith. Without doubt, or at least uncertainty, we have no need for faith. When Jesus finally does show up to Thomas, 
The former doubter doesn't even take Jesus up on the offer to touch him. He's overcome and simply shouts out, My Lord and my God. And Jesus mildly rebukes him, saying, It would have been better if he would have believed without seeing. It would have been more powerful. See, here's the power of faith. We don't have to see or touch or feel or smell. Faith is a matter of the heart and the soul, not of the mind. Martin Luther says that we don't come to faith on our own. In part of his explanation of the Apostles' Creed, Luther says, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified me, and kept me in the true faith. Faith is a free gift from God to us who are by nature unbelievers. You see, faith is another word for trust. When I say I have faith in God, I'm not saying that I believe that God exists. Whether or not God exists is a question for skeptics and philosophers and theologians. And whether or not Jesus Christ was just a brilliant teacher who lived 2,000 years ago, or the Son of God incarnate, is a question for biblical scholars who make their money writing books. I trust God and live my life knowing that God loves me and will care for me. I trust Jesus Christ and follow him because he will lead me to live a life worthy of the coming kingdom of God. I didn't figure out my faith. I have learned it and lived into it. And where did that faith come from? It's too much of a part of me to really explain it to you. It's like the air that I breathe. I imagine that my parents had a lot to do with it, but maybe not in the way you would think. It's not because they made me go to church and Sunday school or read the Bible or pray, because they taught me how to trust. I never questioned that they loved me or that they would take care of me. They gave me everything I needed growing up, especially love. So they taught me how to trust using the words of faith. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling within me that let me learn that lesson. That God-inspired ability to trust grew and was transferred to my Christian faith. I found that the gospel message that Jesus taught in the Bible was reliable. I saw how powerful faith could be as I witnessed it in the people in my Christian community who were undergoing all kinds of challenges and struggles. And yes, my faith was inspired by the Christ-like love of people all around me, like you, many of whom did not even know that they were Christ-like. In my life, faith works, and it works in the people I see around me. It will work for the world. It will work for you. Do you want that faith? Do you want to trust God loves us and that Jesus Christ has the power to save us in this desperate hour? I can't convince you of that with carefully crafted sentences and well-reasoned arguments, but I can share my faith with you. I can witness my faith to you. And there are a lot of other people of faith that can do the same. Look for them in your life. 
Through them and through Scripture, you can learn to trust Jesus Christ. Even if you haven't had a lot of reasons to trust other people as you grew up, you can still come to trust God. Look for that little seed of trust, that seed of faith in your heart. Nurture it and watch it grow. It's never too late. There is no better time than now. Our hearts are open. We need faith now. We need it to nurture our hopes. Our hearts crave good news. We need to know in our hearts that our hopes are not wishes or fishes. I can recommend another tool for you to live into your own faith. Start praying. Now, you may assume that faith faith needs to come first, before prayer. Why would I pray if I don't have faith to start with? Not so. Start a conversation with God and let God take it from there. If you need some help, do what Jesus told his disciples to do. Pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's your conversation starter. And that conversation may give you that burst of faith you need. I'm personally putting my trust, my faith, in a lot of things right now. I trust the scientists who are working to get the current pandemic under control and to protect us from future such disasters. I trust the doctors and nurses that are selflessly caring for the afflicted. I trust our government, economists, business leaders, and workers to help us put our lives back together again when the medical threat passes. And I trust in the loving kindness of all the people around me who share my hopes and fears and who are doing their own part to care for those around them. But most of all, I have faith in the God and the saving power of Jesus Christ. We're coming up on Easter. I can say without reservation that for Christians this is the most hopeful time of year. It is through our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ to new life that our hope comes. Jesus, who suffered death and the grave, was raised to new and eternal life. Truly, if you can believe that, if you can trust in that message, you can believe anything. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can believe it. So really, you just have to come to trust that one thing, what we call the good news, the resurrection. You just have to let yourself trust. God will do the rest. Resurrection means the possibility of new life. It's our hope for the future. Instead of worrying about all the bad things that might happen, we can spend our time hoping for the resurrection of our lives and our world. Hope for a world where people are more conscious of the blessings that they have received from God every day. 
Hope for a world where all are united by a sense of cooperation and compassion. Hope for a world where poverty, disease, and hunger become our true enemies. And hope for a world where you and your family will live in health and happiness. Wish upon a star if you like, but put your faith in God. Let me give my favorite poet, Emily Dickinson, the final word on hope. She writes, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. May God bless you and keep you. May God make his face shine upon you. May God look upon you with grace and mercy and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. We won't be able to get together in our houses of worship this year for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, so I invite you to join me back here. But in the meantime, Keep the faith and keep on hope.